welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. Well, this morning we are beginning a new sermon series, and it is entitled, As It Is in Heaven. We're going to be spending the next uh, several weeks together in doing this. And what you have uh, really at the premise and at the heart of this next series that we go through is that because of who Jesus is and what he has come to offer you and I, there is a new way to go about living life that is different than the normal way that the systems and the world works. There's a, there's a new way of doing things around here as it were. And I've spoken to you guys a lot about kind of my past, my upbringing. Many of you know that I grew up in Southern California, and you've already forgiven me for that. I appreciate your grace. But in 2003, I moved from Palm Springs, California to Lyons, Colorado. And let's just say there's a huge difference between those two uh, populace, the pace of life, and just uh, the geography as well. And there were some immediate things that were different about me upon my arrival. Number one is I moved in June, which is supposed to be summer, and in my context, very, very hot. And I was cold uh, for really about three years. It took me so long to acclimate uh, just to the, the weather uh, here and the temperature. Another thing that was different about me when I first arrived is the way that I spoke. Uh, I remember one time uh, speaking with a, a woman from our church who had a, a kid in our youth group, and we had a youth event that was going to happen, and I was telling her all about it and how awesome it was going to be, and she had her eyes wide, huge smile. She was shaking her head in affirmation like this, and I got done, and she said to me, Pastor Ben, I only ever understand about half the words that come out of your mouth, but that sounds fantastic. So there was a little bit, there was a different way of, of slang and, and just word usage there. And then the other thing that was brought to my attention was my driving. And I don't know if this is like a real thing, but this is something that was brought to my attention that the idea of being a California driver when you go somewhere else, that that's like a real thing. And that happened to me. And I remember one time in particular, we were uh, gathering our youth group to go to an event and uh, the people who kind of lost out on the other vehicles got stuck with Pastor Ben. And that group got into my truck and we were about to leave. And one of them in the back uh, seat of the, uh, of the cab said this, they said, Pastor Ben, we're really scared to drive with you. And I was like, what? And they're like, no, like you need to know this. Like you're, you're a really bad, bad driver. And I was not where I came from. That's just how we all drove. And there was a system and it worked. And for us, that's how things were. But when I moved from California to Colorado, there were some things that needed to change because what my youth were telling me is like, hey, Pastor Ben, uh, that's not the way we do things around here. Uh, I was pretty fast and pretty aggressive as a driver, but I've grown and have matured. I've moved really from a place of being Vin Diesel in the Fast and Furious franchise to really kind of being Andy Griffith in the Andy Griffith show. And uh, I just kind of mosey now. Like, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Any moseyers in here? And I, I can tell you that there's been times even in this community where I have gone too slow for people <laughs> around here, and they let me know as they pass going by. But there was a, a change that had to happen. I needed to learn a new way to kind of live and go about life in Colorado. And when Jesus begins his ministry, 
right? When he moves from what he's doing just kind of in a, a behind-the-scenes sense to coming on the scenes in a public burst uh, as he begins to demonstrate the message and then the power of the kingdom of God, he, he comes in a way that offers a radical change to the way things are done around here, that what his declaration comes with and what the invitation is toward is a new way to live life that is radically, radically different. And for many of us, uh, it's, it's not that idea that we struggle with. Most of us don't have kind of this cognitive dissonance between uh, kind of the way that the world works and what Jesus is offering us. Most of us would say, no, I know that Jesus is offering me new life and that it looks radically different than maybe what I've experienced to this point. But oftentimes we do struggle in actually practically living it out. We know that we have wholeness and healing and we have new life and reconciliation, but then when it comes to our relationships with people around us and just kind of the common experience of the way that we live, we can struggle with seeing that really come into play. And in the next series of weeks together, what we're going to do is we're going to learn how to live different. We're going to learn how to live in a way where we experience on earth what is reflected of God's intention that in the way that we live and the way that we interact in our community, that it is on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to start with just kind of outlining some, some basic thoughts this morning, and then we're going to start looking at different areas of life and going into some really practical and particular ways to go about uh, uh, um, some action steps towards that. But this morning, we're going to lay the framework and the foundation for what is being uh, offered to us and what we're being invited to experience. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get that out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, I would invite you to open up your Bible app. And Lord, we ask that you would prepare our hearts in these moments. Lord, prepare our hearts, not just our minds, that we wouldn't just listen and nod and affirm an idea that's theological, Lord, but that we would take the seed of your word that transforms us into our heart, that we would allow it to take root, that it would grow to fruition, and that it would create a difference in our lives and in the world around us as a result of that. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear how we can respond to your word. Give us the courage and leading of your Holy Spirit that we would put it into practice this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. With your Bibles out, if you would go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 4, we're going to start with a declaration that Jesus makes. And all of the Gospels begin to look and record Jesus' ministry uh, from a number of different uh, facets. But in Matthew and in Mark in particular, they begin with an announcement. <clears throat> they begin with an announcement of an intent of what Jesus wants to do. And really, this announcement comes with a declaration that there was now a new way to live life or there was a new way to do things around here. So in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, as Matthew begins Jesus' ministry, he begins with this declaration. From that time on, Okay, so as Jesus begins to publicly go about demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God and preaching the message of the kingdom of God, this is how Matthew succinctly describes it. He says, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Some translations will say because the kingdom of heaven is now, it's imminent, it's, it's immediately happening. It's not far off anymore, but it's been drawn near. It can now be a part of your experience the way things are done around here are about to change because of what is taking place. 
And as Matthew kind of begins this, uh, uh, begins his gospel, he begins with this declaration. Now in Mark, as Mark begins his gospel, he starts a little bit differently. In Mark chapter 1, the second part of verse 14 and 15, he says something similar, but a little bit different focus. It says, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And if you go through Mark's gospel, Mark's favorite phrase to, I, uh, to give a context to God working in your life is he would call it the kingdom of God. As you go through Matthew's context, he uses the phrase the kingdom of heaven, but both are indicating the same thing, that the person and the presence and the power of God is no longer far off, no longer something that you have to long for or try to get to, but that he has drawn near, he has come close, that he is now Emmanuel, God with us, that he's entered into our context. And everything that you know about the way things are done around here in a broken earth, all of that is about to change. All of that is about to change because of this announcement. And Jesus's announcement of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven coming near isn't just this idea of kind of the way that things can be done are now offered to you in the experience of your life. But the reason why the declaration is made is because Jesus came near. Okay, don't miss that, that it's Jesus's entrance. It's the idea of Emmanuel, God with us, that is kind of the catalyst for his declaration that because God is now with us, everything that comes with the kingdom of God, everything that is right as it is in heaven is now able to be experienced now on earth, even as all things will be made new in the end. And those of us who have uh, yielded to the lordship of Jesus, we've received salvation, we long for heaven. But don't miss, like the, the announcement that Jesus made is not that, hey, as it is in heaven, you can get to someday. It's as it is in heaven, even as you're longing for that final reunion with the Lord, that he's made his way now and you can begin to experience it in your immediate context. And there's a challenge for us in this because everything else about the way that the world works tells you no. Everything else about the way that the world works, the, the life that you've lived apart from Christ, the way that sin has messed with you and messed with us and messed with the culture around us, every, every place that there's been a diminishment and kind of a fracture and a, a distance between the will and the kingdom of God, everything else tells you no, it says that's not the way we do things around here. It's really what is called a clash of culture. The culture that you and I live in, the world that we live in, it's broken, it's fractured, it's under the dominion of sin. But Jesus came that the kingdom of God would now come with it and you get to enjoy those things in your life now as you're being prepared to enjoy those things for eternity. And again, the challenge is whenever we start, start to take steps of faith, whenever we start to see growth, whenever we start to pursue the things of the kingdom of God, most of us can, can give a testimony that we've had intense pressure as a result of that. You begin to start taking a, a stand for issues of morality, and all of a sudden you're the unpopular person at work. Or you're the person who is looking uh, to make sure that it's done correctly and doing things with honesty and integrity, and all of a sudden you're the scapegoat. 
that in your family, as you begin to lead as a man of God or as a woman of God, and you want to start stewarding your family in a way that honors the Lord, that all of a sudden your family is in upheaval. Like, where does all of that stuff come from? Oftentimes, we would assign a spiritual warfare component to that, and that is, uh, 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 that, that, that's true to a point. But really, the way that the, everything works around you tells you, no, that's not the way that we do things around here. That's really the voice that you and I are hearing. And Jesus' announcement that the kingdom of heaven has come near, that the kingdom of God has drawn near, is an announcement that the way things have been done around here do not have to stay that way any longer. That what you know as the way that things work, that that isn't the way that things have to work any longer, that there's now a choice that is being presented to you. And as you go through the Gospel of Matthew, if you go from this announcement where he says the kingdom of heaven has drawn near or has come close or is in your face or can be a part of your life, as you begin to move through the next several chapters, you bump into what is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. It's uh, arguably the, the uh, uh, most popular sermon or the most well-known sermon. It's certainly in length and scope of content. It's the most of one content teaching that we have recorded of Jesus. And it goes through chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Matthew. But you run into this idea as he begins to say, you recognize the way things are done around here, but I'm going to tell you a better way to do it. In fact, if you were to go on this week and if you read chapters 5, 6, and 7 just maybe on your own just to kind of dig into this a little bit further and do a little bit of your own study, what you would find is that there's a phrase that Jesus repeatedly uses where he begins a teaching with this. He says, you have heard it said, dot, dot, dot. And then he speaks on finances. He speaks on uh, prayer and fasting. He speaks on relationships and uh, the way that we interact with the community around us. There's all of these, you've heard it said, dot, dot, dots. And then he gives kind of this general understanding of the way things work. And then he says, but I tell you, and he turns it on its head. Because with the announcement that the kingdom of heaven has drawn near, is an invitation for you and I to not just live life the way things are done, jacked up and broken down here, but to live life the way that it is intended to be lived and is expressed as it is in heaven. That it begins with this invitation to a new way to live. And if you look at Jesus' ministry, he is often using this kind of phrasing, Right? You've heard it said, but I tell you the truth. You've heard it said, but I've tell, I tell you the truth. This is your experience, but let me tell you, there's a better way to live. That there's that constant kind of changing of uh, assignment from the way things are done around here to the way things could be done as they are in heaven. And then they're very often coupled with a dramatic demonstration of the miraculous power of God. All of the miracles in Jesus' ministry were to draw attention to the fact that what he was offering was true. It wasn't just to razzle-dazzle. It wasn't just to kind of change somebody's lot in life. It wasn't just to make an example or to make a point in the sense of being gracious or kind. All of those things are helpful and a part of maybe the way that we can apply it to our lives. But the demonstrated power of God was to give uh, validity and to give value to the message that is you can live life different. Your life can be changed. 
your experience up to this point can be redeemed and your future can be different than what you think it's going to be. Like the way things are done around here don't have to be the way that you live your life, but the way things are done up there can be your common everyday experience on earth as it is in heaven. And what is being made available to you and I is now a choice that we can make, that we could choose to live different. And I would suggest to you that it is likely that you have areas of your life today that need to change. That need to change. And not just you're being naughty and you need to not be naughty. Not just changing your behavior or reframing your morality. But that the way that you are experiencing life in areas of your life right now is the way that things are done around here, but not the way that God intends them to be. And that's the change that I would suggest to you is being offered. And it'll change your values, and it will change the way that you prioritize your life, and it'll change the way that you conduct yourselves morally. All of those things will change, but fundamentally what needs to change is not our behavior, but the way that we are doing things around here to be aligned with the intention that God has for the life that he gave you to live. And that when we would hear the world say, no, that's not the way we do things around here, that we would come back with, no, that's exactly the way that I do things around here because I do things the way that they are done up there because God has come near the kingdom of heaven is now and it is available and I want us to take just a few minutes this morning because we're going to have this whole series to unpack this to look at how to apply this to your marriage and your family to look at how to apply this to your friendships and your relationships to look at how to apply this to the way that you are trajectorying your life and the decisions that you're making in your career. All of those things will be something that we unpack here. But I want to start very simply this morning with the starting point for these ideas, and that is to answer these two questions. And the first question is, in your person, how can you start? Knowing that we're not going to get the full scope of the series in today and acted on tomorrow, what can we start with today? How do you start this? If the kingdom of heaven has come near, then, then how do I start to experience that? And then the other question I want to take just a moment to briefly answer for you is where do you start? And Jesus unpacks these two things really through the life and scope of his ministry, but we're going to look at two places in Matthew that are very helpful for us this morning. And where do, or excuse me, the how do you start, I'm going to uh, answer with a very, very simple statement. We'll unpack it, and it's almost oversimplified in church context. But I would say that if you have an area in your life right now where you're living life the way things are done down here, but you have a longing in you to experience as it is in heaven in that place, that the way that you start is with prayer. The way that you start is with prayer. What's really interesting is in the Gospel of Matthew, you have this beginning declaration in chapter 4, right? Where Jesus says, repent, which means to change your mind. Have your mind renewed. Change your perspective. You've bought into the wrong view. You've bought into a set of non-truths. Repent 
because now the kingdom of heaven is available. Repent of the idea that the way things are done around here are the way things are supposed to be done. No, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. And so he begins with this declaration, and as you go through Matthew's gospel, you get into the Sermon on the Mount, and he begins to say, you've heard it said, this is the way things are done around here, but I'm telling you, this is another way to do it. And you have a bunch of those kind of give and take type of teachings, and in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, you bump into chapter 6, and as he begins chapter 6, he begins to talk about prayer specifically. And in kind of this kind of give and take phraseology, what you have is he begins to say, you've seen prayer done this way, this way, this way, and this way. In the first several verses of chapter 6, right in the middle of the scope of this sermon is, is this exchange and this description. And at the end of it, he says, don't do it like that. All of that's wrong. Don't do it in a way where you're just trying to draw self uh, 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 self-perception to you, where you're trying to puff yourself up. Don't do it in a way where you're trying to be really wordy and talk God into doing what you're doing. There were some common ways that people went about going, uh, go, went about prayer, and, and he said, hey, don't, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it the way that the system down here would tell you to work, to somehow beg or somehow coerce God to be on your side. Don't do that. And then he switches and he says, this then is how you should pray. And even as I begin that statement, some of your ears perk up and say, oh, I know what's coming next because you learned that first part as part of the Lord's Prayer. And he moves into the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to look at just the first kind of three statements in it, because if you want to start this morning experiencing as it is in heaven in an area of your life, this would be a good place to start with your prayer. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, after saying, you've seen it done wrong, let me tell you a better way to do it, he says, this then is how you should pray. Now, I want to stop for just a minute, okay? This then is how you should pray, not just what. See, in many, in many ways, this has become just kind of a liturgic thing that we just recite, and when that happens, we actually move it back up to the previous verses where we're just trying to say something formulaic to get God to do what we want him to do. And that's not what Jesus is talking about here. But the principles in this and the way that you go about approaching the Lord and the way that you go about inviting his work in your life, this is really what the focus is in these verses. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there's three things that happen here. There's three statements that are being made here that are actually a radical change from the way things are done around here. And the first has to do with the way that we approach God and understand Him to be. Because Jesus begins this idea of praying, our Father, right, our Father in heaven Holy is your name. Hallowed really means uh, holy is a better uh, rendition of that word. But our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And that was a radical statement there. Because the word there for father, like when you and I, we, when we hear that word, what do we think of, right? I, I think of somebody with a jacket and a polo shirt. It's like, Father, can I have the keys to the Benz? Yes, but not the Bentley. You know, like, like we, make it, we make it proper, don't we? don't we? Don't we put it up there, right? This word is not proper. In fact, the word is Abba. 
and it is uh, something that characterizes a little kid trying to say daddy, but not even be able to get it right. It's like if we were doing this dedication up here and Tiago was just da, 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 da. It's not proper, it's familiar. It's familiar. Abba. Your name is holy. And what's being spoken of there is a relationship and of reverence that have kind of this equal weight. Where I recognize the whole other part of God, the holiness of God, the separateness, the hey, I don't deserve to be in dad's lap type of a thing, but I still get to call this holy God Abba. There's a relationship and reverence that are in play here. And one of the things that is helpful for you and I when we begin to say, man, my life is jacked up and I would really like to enjoy heaven on earth, part of that invitation is to invite God to work in our lives that way, where we become relationally open to Abba and we recognize that his ways are the right ways. And you move from there and it says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, which is an interesting thing for Jesus to tell you and I to pray because he just declared a couple chapters earlier that the kingdom of heaven has come, right? The kingdom of heaven has drawn near. So, so why would we need to be petitioning for this? Are we asking him to do something that he hasn't already done? Or are we declaring something to be true that we know that he's already done? There's a declaration here and there's an invitation as well because the kingdom of heaven has drawn near, but that doesn't mean that I have allowed myself to be a part of that kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. Change, receive, reciprocate the invitation. And that's what you see taking place here. There's a desire for our hearts and our minds to recognize the kingdom of God when it's at work. Because you can read through the rest of the Gospels, and there were people who saw the absolute dramatic demonstration of the miraculous and couldn't see that it was the kingdom of God at work. Because of the hardness of their heart and the blinding of their eyes, God himself was in front of them, and they couldn't recognize him for who he was. And so if I begin to pray and petition in such a way where I'm relating to the Lord in a right relationship and I'm inviting his kingdom to be at work in my life the way that he has already declared it to be at work in this world, that begins to set me up to experience this. And then the last part, it says, uh, your will be done. And can I just tell you that if there's an area in your life to this morning that is being done the way things are done down here, and you would want the Lord to do something in that area of your life that is illustrative of the way things are done up there, it's going to require a response of obedience. Like his will has to be something that is over your will. There's a response of obedient faith that comes to this, that, that we begin to look for ways to respond to the things that God is challenging us towards. But all of these things are, are something that we're inviting through prayer. At the beginning of this Lord's Prayer, there's this invitation for the Lord to work in our lives in this way. And that last statement, it's really important. It says, on earth as it is in heaven. And can I just tell you that that statement is to go to all three of those. The idea should be this. Your name is holy. Let your name be holy on earth just like it is in heaven. Holy. 
your kingdom come and be demonstrated on earth just like it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Do you know none of those things are debated in the throne room of God? There's no conversation in the throne room of God as to whether he is who he said he was, whether he's holy, whether he's good, whether he's real. Like none of those things happen up there. They happen down here where it's all broken. God, let us recognize who you are for who you are here, just like it is in heaven. No debate. Settle it. There's no question of the kingdom of God or whether it's at work. There's no hard heart that doesn't recognize it in the throne room of God. Let that be so here. And there's no challenge to the will of God in the presence of God now. Let that be so here. And so I would just suggest to you that you start with prayer. Whether you've got a place of relationship, whether you've got a place of decision, where you have a place of value, or you have a place of conflict, whatever you would be facing this morning, that you would say, man, this is the way that things are done down here, and this stinks. I would really love for the way things to be done up there, down here, in this area of my life. Begin with prayer. Recognize God for who He is. Have a heart that is uh, looking for the way that the kingdom of God wants to be expressed in your life, and be inviting His will to trump yours. Put aside your own, uh, your own preference and just allow the Lord to move. And then that second question is, where do we start? And I want to just tell you that you begin where you are. Okay, so you invite this work to be done in you, and then you begin to allow that work to be done through you right where you are. In Matthew chapter 28, so if you continued through the whole gospel of Matthew and you got to the end, you'd come to a place that your Bible would probably have a little a designation that is, says something like the Great Commission. In Matthew's gospel, it's the last kind of recorded thing that Jesus tells his disciples before he ascends into heaven. So it's the way that Matthew kind of wraps up and closes out his gospel, and he focuses on a specific thing that Jesus says. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, Jesus came to them, speaking of the disciples, and he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It is likely that if you grew up in church that you're already familiar with this passage of Scripture. It's also very likely that you've heard it preached as a missions passage on a missions Sunday, and it tells you and me to go and to be on mission and to take the gospel to everyone everywhere, and that's good and that's appropriate and that's helpful, but there's two parts before and after that we often skip. And the first one is when Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has the authority. And when he says that the kingdom of heaven has come near and invites you to live that out, he has the authority to give you that invitation, and he has the authority to make that work out in your life. And what you have him saying here is, I have authorized you 
to live a new life. So, go tell everybody else about that so they can as well. The other part is at the end of that. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You guys are going with me, right? Church rats, you know this. Teaching them to obey everything. Like almost always we stop right there. Got to make sure they get it right, right? Got to change your ways. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What Jesus is saying here on either side of this commission is I've authorized you to live a new life, so live it. And then teach somebody else to do that as well. See, we we begin with us. This idea of as it is in heaven. It needs to begin in you. It needs to begin in your person. It needs to begin in you before it begins in your marriage and your family. It needs to begin in you before it begins in your workplace. There is likely change that needs to happen in you before God does any change in the circumstances around you because there's something in you that needs to be aligned with as it is in heaven and the way that he's created you and the way that he has called you, the plans and purposes that he has for your life. It needs to begin in you. And then it needs to begin through you right where you are. That you begin to, this idea of uh, to teach them everything that I have commanded you is whatever you know, share with somebody else. Pastor, I don't know a lot. That's fine. Somebody probably knows less than a lot. So at least get them up to whatever you know, and then you've both grown a little bit together. Like Share what you have. Give what you have. Whatever God has done in your life, whatever change Jesus has uh, brought in your life, in whatever way you are beginning to experience as it is in heaven. And it may not be in every area of your life, but there may be one. Share that. Invite more of that. Respond in faith to that. And then you move to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is the way that Luke is kind of closing out this same time period. He closes out his gospel, and then he begins the book of Acts. Luke and Acts are a part one and a part two book by the same author. And as Luke is moving from the end of Jesus' ministry to the beginning of the birth of the church, he's got these transition chapters, the last chapter in Luke and the first chapter in Acts that kind of brings this pivot. And he records some of Jesus' last words to his disciples in chapter 1, verse 8 of Acts, and it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses, right? Same type of language. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go share what you know And then this is how it's going to go in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're going to look at this next week because there's these concentric circles of moving out geographically and what Jesus is implying there. But what he starts with is you need to be my witness right where you are. Right where you are. So for you and me, that's northeast Colorado. That's in, in this little corner of the state. For those of you joining us online from other places, not just in the, in the nation, but around the world, it's, it's right where you are, that you start in that place, that you and I respond to the invitation to experience the kingdom of heaven right now, not 
the way that things are done around here presently broken, but the way things are done redeemed in the presence of God, that as it is in heaven, that we get to experience that now, that we invite that work in our persons, and then we are about that work in the life around us. And that we start with prayer, responding to his invitation, and then we start where we are, sharing what we have. Church family, if you would stand, worship team, if you would come forward. Church family, as you're standing, I'm going to ask you to imagine with me. You may want to close your eyes to close out distractions. You may want to keep them open, just to kind of maybe look up and allow your thoughts to move. But I want you to imagine, how, how, how would your life be different if you began to live practically the way it is in heaven? What area of life right now would you say, Jesus, this is, this is being conducted in my life the way things are done around here? This relationship, this attitude, this value, this pursuit just really looks like the broken ways that the world says things are supposed to be done. How would you imagine it to look different if it looked as if it was in heaven? If in that area of your life it was on earth as it is in heaven, how would you be changed? How would your person change as a result of that work in you? And then moving out from there, what, what would our community look like if we lived this way? If we went out in boldness and in courage and just shared what we had, knowing that we don't have to have all the answers, but we know the one who does, knowing that we don't have to somehow argue or convince, but we can simply share what is true, what would our community look like if you and I began to live on earth as it is in heaven and we got to see that take place in Northeast Colorado? Lord, it can be hard for us to even imagine those things because they're so foreign to often our day-to-day. Sometimes an exercise of creativity just leaves us stumped because we can't even imagine things being different than they are right now. We can be so pressed by brokenness and darkness. We can be so overwhelmed by our circumstances that we can't even with godly imagination see anything different. But Lord, faith is saying yes to something even that we can't see. Faith is acknowledging that what you say and what you offer is true, even if we don't see a way to it. And so God, in faith, in faith we pray today that in our persons, in our places, that your name would be holy. that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth, in us, in our daily experience, just as it is in heaven. And in part of this prayer, Lord, we're petitioning you for this. We're asking 
Part of this prayer, Lord, we're inviting you to be present. We're making ourselves available. And part of this prayer is a declaration of faith. We're saying it will be so, even if we don't see it yet. And so begin a work in us that moves out from this moment. And may we, at the end of this series, Lord, be celebrating so much that is in Northeast Colorado as it is in heaven because we've moved and aligned ourselves with the truth that the kingdom of heaven has drawn near and we've drawn near to you as a response. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Some action steps for you this week. If, uh, if, if we're going to live as it is in heaven, here's three things that I want to encourage you to begin with. Number, number one, begin with prayer. This is going to focus your eyes on Jesus. It's going to put God in his rightful place as you start. Number two, can I just tell you, begin to pray big prayers. Contend for the miraculous. Contend for the power of God to be demonstrated in your life. And then number three, begin wherever you are. Just start to share your story with someone else. Whatever you've received from the Lord, begin to share with those around you.